0: Hi everyone, my name's Ed and uh, we're in the penultimate week of our Love Works series and we've been thinking about our closest relationships. You know, no one sets out for mediocre relationships, but they can drift in that way unless we make choices to put love to work. You know, the Bible is full of wisdom about relationships, helping us to live in ways that mean we can know and experience what it is to have great relationships. You know, if you're joining us for the first time, I recommend you catching up on the previous talks in this series. You can do that by visiting highgrove.church forward slash talks, or you can subscribe to our podcast. You know, today we're going to cover a topic that doesn't get spoken about very much in church, and it begins with the letter S. And no, this time it's not that topic beginning with S, it's another one. We're going to think today about singleness. So often the message of our culture is that being married or in a a long-term romantic relationship should be the ultimate goal and direction of people's lives. You know, listen to any song or watch any movie and we, we might get the impression that you're only complete if you're with that special someone. But the Bible presents a very different picture and it holds out marriage and singleness as being incredibly valuable in God accomplishing his purposes in this world. You know, in fact, both are described as gifts in the New Testament. Singleness uh, is never regarded as second best. You know, Jesus was the most whole human being ever to walk on the earth, and yet he was never married. I just want to be honest with you today and say that actually, this is a really challenging topic to to talk about, and that's because everyone has a unique story. And there are people watching this in in all kinds of very, very different situations. You know, Firstly, you you might be married or you're in a romantic relationship and and you're feeling tempted right now to switch off. Well, please, please don't. This this message is for all of us. We all need to hear it today, whether it's for ourselves or or whether it's as we relate to other people. You might be watching this and you might describe yourself as happily single and you're perfectly content with that, either for the time being or, or maybe for the rest of your life. You know for others you might be single and actually there's some sadness about that for you. It might be that you'd love to be married but it's just not happened for whatever reason. You might feel hopeful or or you might feel disappointed. Maybe you're you're single because uh, there was a recently broken relationship or or you're divorced. Perhaps you're a single parent carrying on sort of so much stuff on your own and and just trying to make it through each day. I just want to acknowledge today that that for some this subject is difficult and it's painful, then there's no easy answers. I recognise that, but more significantly, God knows that and he sees you and he is filled with love and compassion for you and for your situation. I also want to acknowledge that the church is not always the easiest place to be as a single person, especially with the challenges of COVID-19. You know, when we attend church gatherings, current restrictions mean that it's necessary to sit in distanced uh, family groups or support bubbles. And, and that might feel tough if you're coming on your own. Of course, that's not the way we want it to be like. You know, walking into church alone can be a vulnerable experience. And for the rest of us, you know, let's remember that and be welcoming and loving. You know, even in normal times, the, the fact that here at Highgrove we have so many families means that perhaps it, it feels like, like loads of things are, you know, geared up for families or, or driven by school term times. And of course, that's not relevant for everyone. You know, we're sorry that we don't always get that right in terms of the balance. You know, at Highgrove, we want to be a church full of people of every age and stage and situation, and, and we need people of every age and stage and situation, because that's what being the body of Christ is all about. Everyone valued, everyone fully belonging and getting stuck in as an indispensable part of the body of Christ. The onus is on all of us to play our part in helping everyone to belong. But today I want to give you a biblical framework for thinking about singleness and and bring what I hope are some encouragement to us no matter where we're at in life. You know, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, Jesus is quizzed by some Pharisees about divorce and he replies by talking instead about marriage and the profound mystery of two becoming one in marriage and and the permanence of it. You know, Jesus' disciples who who were listening in, they they come to the realisation that, you know, wow, marriage actually is really hard. And, And they say to Jesus in verse 10, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Jesus, who himself was single, here describes singleness and and talks of it as something that has been given. He talks of of eunuchs, you know, that's not a familiar concept for us in our society. Historically, eunuchs were, were unmarried high servants of a king. And so Jesus is saying that that singleness can be seen as a high calling. It's like being a a eunuch of the kingdom of God, a a devoted high servant of the kingdom of God. He recognises that people might be single for a variety of reasons, perhaps because they were born with no inclination to be married. It might be perhaps that they've not had the opportunity. It might be that they have decided not to get married out of a sense of God calling them to be single. In every case, whether, whether Christian singleness is temporary or permanent, you know, Jesus describes it as a gift and a high calling to the service uh, of the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 picks up this same theme he tackles this subject of being married or unmarried. In the context uh, in which he was writing, you know, the Corinthian church was in turmoil. You know, Corinth was a, a city with a reputation for wild living and sexual immorality. You know, some Greeks were, were throwing the baby out with the bathwater and suggesting that Christians should not only reject the immoral behaviour they saw around them, but also reject sex and marriage altogether. And so the Corinthian church have all kinds of very, very tricky questions for Paul about sex and about marriage and about divorce and and whether Christians should have sex and get married and and get divorced and in what order. And so Paul has his work cut out teaching the church on these topics. But Paul's overriding aim in all of this is found in verse 35. He says this, "That, that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord on all the complications and troubles of life, Paul makes the case and writes of the advantages of being single when it comes to living a life of, of undivided devotion to the Lord. In verse 7, Paul says, I wish that all of you were as I am. In other words, single. You know, but, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift. Another has that. There it is again. Singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift. From verse 32, Paul writes this. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How can he please the Lord? But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. Paul is saying, and you might find this a little bit controversial, single Christians are likely to be less distracted in their devotion to Jesus than married Christians. You know, Paul wrote around a third of the New Testament and speaks highly of marriage in his writing. It's not that he's knocking marriage, but Paul is is just being realistic here. You know, for me, my my number one calling in life is to love and serve God. My number two calling is to love and serve my wife. Practically speaking, husbands and wives need to rethink everything they do because they need to make sure that what they do is going to serve and please and care for their spouse. You know, we have a limited amount of time, energy and money. And there is absolutely no doubt at all, is it that marriage demands time, energy and money. And so Paul is is underlining a possible advantage to being single, a greater focus and a freedom to serve Jesus and his work wholeheartedly and without distraction. That's not automatic, you know, but it is an opportunity and it's an opportunity that Paul himself embraced wholeheartedly. For those of us that are married, perhaps we can be challenged to consider the extent to which we use our time and our energy and our money to serve God. You know of course it's possible for married disciples of Jesus to give their utmost devotion to the Lord but do we always position our marriages and our homes and our time and our finances to serve God as the ultimate goal in our lives in what ways do we as married people need to be challenged by Paul to be more outward looking beyond our own family units you know Paul is calling for a positive view of singleness whether that singleness is temporary or or permanent you know, being single can be liberating and fulfilling as it was for him. You know, but when we stand back and try to look at things from an eternal perspective, there's something even deeper that is evident in scripture. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus gets quizzed again, this time by the Sadducees, a group who didn't believe in life after death. And they construct this this elaborate hypothetical scenario of a family of seven brothers where where the first brother marries a woman but then dies. Uh, And the woman then marries his brother but he dies and, and so on until all seven brothers marry her and die. And the Sadducees ask, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? And we read, Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come, and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. We saw earlier that singleness is described as a gift. But here's the thing. We don't know loads about heaven, but what one thing we do know is that one day every follower of Jesus will receive that gift because in heaven there is no marriage. We'll be like the angels with undivided and undistracted devotion to Jesus. You see, singleness is not abnormal or strange. It's the new creation normal. It's our eternal destiny, every single one of us who follows Jesus. You know, that might sound a a bit weird to you or, or maybe even a bit unappealing. But it's not because something is wrong with heaven, but it's because the future experience of heaven so far exceeds our understanding now. But it will be better than anything we can imagine, a reality where we we find our complete satisfaction and enjoyment in the presence of Jesus for all eternity. And just as Paul himself in Ephesians five paints the the, the marriage of a husband and a wife as a, a prophetic picture of the relationship between Christ and His church, so so singleness at its best is itself it's a, a prophetic picture of heaven, where where every child of God finds ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction as they give their undivided devotion to Him. Whether you are single for your entire life or just temporarily for a season, your calling as an unmarried follower of Jesus, is to act out our undistracted and undiluted relationship with Jesus, the relationship that, that one day every Christian will know perfectly. But you might be thinking now, Ed, that's, that's all well and good, but, but what about what I'm experiencing right now? Singleness may well be a gift, but, you know, it doesn't feel like it for me. Actually, my experience of singleness, especially during the pandemic, is, is one of loneliness and, and a bit of disappointment. You know, If it's a gift, I'm not sure that I want it. I want the other gift. And and I've been praying and I've been waiting and it's just not happening. Of course, if if you're single and don't want to be, there there are no easy answers and we know that. But as we come into land, I just want to briefly highlight three encouragements from Paul's life that I, I hope will speak to all of us this morning. And firstly, there's this. Paul highly valued friendships. You see this all over the New Testament. You know, in Acts, it's, there's Barnabas, there's Silas, there's Lydia, there's Titus, there's Luke, there's Priscilla, there's Aquila, there's John Mark, there's, there's Epaphroditus. You know, like Paul, we'll do well to put a high value on friendships, invest in them love and be loved, know and be known, experience the companionship, the comfort and the joy that comes with friendship. You know, as we we look around Highgrove, we're so encouraged by the friendships that we see. But, you know, if, if all your friendships are with people at the same age and stage and marital status as you, you're missing out. You know, if that's the case, there's there's a richness in the family of God that that you're not receiving or giving into. And whether uh, we're married or whether we're in a romantic relationship or whether we're single, let's cultivate and practice friendship. Secondly, Paul had spiritual children. Timothy, Titus, Onesimus. Over and over again, we read things like this. My dear son, my true child in the faith. Paul was a dad with lots of spiritual children and left a greater legacy than he would have would have done with with just physical children. And and you can do the same. You know, you may have heard the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, I think it takes a church to raise a child. Let's all play our part. If you're in a family, don't just invite other families to spend time with you. If you're single, you can have a role in parenting spiritual children, mentoring those younger than you in the faith, and maybe it's serving in children's church or Devo. You can leave a legacy that reverberates for generations after you. One of my heroes is Mike Pilevacci. He's the pioneer of Soul Survivor, which has been so instrumental in my own life and faith and in the lives of so many young people over the decades. You know, Mike made a decision many, many years ago to, to not, not to get married, and he, he describes it like this. I've had the joy of being best man at 19 weddings and, and as father of the bride for someone once. You know, I've never had my own children, but I've got godchildren coming out of my ears. And I've had the privilege of seeing thousands of young people giving their life to Jesus. God is no person's debtor. I could not ask for more. Finally, in Paul's life, we see that, that Paul knew Jesus deeply. Paul had, had dark periods of loneliness and isolation. in isolation. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he describes such a time, and he says this, All deserted me, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. We can know the presence of Jesus with us, even in times when we feel most lonely. You know, what's true for all of us is that we, we enter this world alone and we leave it alone. But our relationship with Jesus will last for eternity. Let's invest in it today, so that we can reap the rewards for all eternity. Let's let's throw ourselves into knowing Jesus and finding satisfaction in Him. You know, Jesus invites us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Whether we're married, whether we're single, that's an invitation to happily ever after. That's the investment that we can make in our eternal status as as complete people completely and utterly devoted to uh, want to be satisfied in Jesus. We're going to pray now and and as we do regularly, we want to invite the Holy Spirit to come, to, to impact our hearts, to, to transform our minds, to assure us of his presence and that our lives are in his hands. You know, if you'd like to receive from God today, I, I want to encourage you to put your, your hands out in front of you like this. It's, a, it's the same thing you do as if you're receiving a, a gift. You know, it's saying to the Holy Spirit that, that you're open to him, that you're ready to receive from him. And so we pray. come. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. I want to pray for for anyone watching today who, actually in reflecting on singleness, actually it's been quite a painful experience, that I ask you, Holy Spirit, to draw close. Would you come and make your presence felt? I thank you for your promise that you will never leave us, you'll never forsake us. Thank you that you invite us into a spiritual family, into the big family of God, where we can find love and friendship and acceptance. You invite us into an inheritance that cannot spoil, perish, or fade. And we look to you today. We want to find our satisfaction in you, to seek first your kingdom, to give our undivided devotion and attention to you. Help us, Lord, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.